Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. Sidra and Dennis, I'm so happy to be here with you today. Yeah. You're about to reveal a new collaborative work for New York City Ballet. How does that feel? It's so unreal for, for me. It's been such a thrill to share this with my dad. We're both native New Yorkers, as is my mom. So we've been in New York City our whole lives, making art together, uh, collaborating. And so it's like a sort of homecoming to be back in the Lincoln Center area where I trained. And my dad actually taught at LaGuardia High School. So we were in and around that area a lot. And just to have something just so majestic as Lincoln Center and also what was really thrilling was to be in the orchestra pit when the music was recorded. It was such a special, special moment. And to hear my dad's music flood that theater, it was unreal. So I'm just so grateful and, and so excited to unveil it all. You have very, a very strong aesthetic and a very strong voice as Thank an artist. It's, it's developed, it's clear, and it's unique. And I just thought that was something I wanted to be able to bring to the stage in presenting new work. I wanted to go back and talk about your family because as I started to get to know you, I invited you to come see the ballet and you were like, can I bring my parents? And I was like, yeah, sure. And you chose a specific program to bring them to because as I was getting to know you, your parents were both musicians. So you, mm -hmm. you, you chose dances at a gathering. Yeah, that was thrilling which I had seen before. My love of ballet actually started when I was in Saratoga Springs at a special project in the 60s. And I went to the ballet every single week and saw the New York City Ballet with Edward Villela, Suzanne Farrell, Jacques Dembois, and I absolutely fell in love with ballet. And coming back to actually write a piece for the New York City Ballet, especially with my daughter choreographing, of course, <laughs> uh, was a, a very special part of my my career as a composer, which is you know one of the, one of the things I do. So, in your family life, the arts has been, I'm assuming, extremely strong. Your dad's an artist. Yeah. Is your mom an artist as well? She is. Yeah. So, seeing that Chopin piece, she's a classical pianist and played from when she was very young. Um, a prodigy. They actually met at the New York College of Music. So. It's always been, you know, a huge part of my life. We lived in an apartment in, in Inwood in New York City, and my dad's studio was in the living room, and there were always collaborators, uh, musicians, vocalists coming in and out of our home. I started dancing at a really young age, and then I went to the Dance Theater of Harlem when I was seven and a half years old, and my mom was the one that really saw the, the mover in me. I would choreograph little things in the house, and it was just a, a life full of art. Um, it was just in the fabric of our family. And as a child, I got to sing in my dad's choir, my mom and dad's choir, New Voices of Freedom. And the choir, my dad can describe more, but it was a internationally renowned choir that collaborated with U2 and um, Aretha Franklin, and a lot of different artists. And we would do gigs all around New York City. And I was just a little girl singing in the choir. So it's just, it's in the fabric of our family. My siblings are all involved in the arts and went on to careers in the arts. So. Just the, I think the main thing is my parents firmly believed that it wasn't secondary, that it was primary course of um, our education and that we could have fulfilling lives as artists in any way that we wanted to practice it. I got to see my parents up close as practitioners. 
I was uh, realizing as I was thinking about you and your dad that you both fulfill multifaceted aspects of the art world. You're a, you're a dancer, your father's a musician. You're a choreographer, he's a composer. You're a director, he's a conductor. And you're both educators. I'm, I feel like I'm a reincarnation of some kind of my dad. Um, I got to observe my dad a lot teaching also. He was a music educator for many years at LaGuardia High School. And I was always in the studio with him in the recording studio in the schools and on the floor, just listening to the way that he inspired children of all ages and how he still inspires them. He was such a generous but challenging teacher. He never let them sort of um, slip under the radar. <laughs> never let them slip under the radar. He always pushed them to be their best selves. And that's something I think that I really got from both my mom and my dad because um, they were both music educators at a point. So that feeling of um, taking people to the edge of their limits, but also being kind and nurturing and generous, having these communities and families throughout your life. Um, a, a lot of their students will contact them to this day. So I just, I'm still deeply inspired by the work that they've done over the years as educators and directors and in collaboration with each other. And I love the, that quality of giving and receiving, you know, as a father and a daughter and how you pass down artistry and how, how do you look at things? And so Dennis, I was wondering, what did you try to instill in Sidra? But I never tried to instill anything into Sidra. We just took her just like we did her older brothers and sisters and just showed them the world. I mean, if you try to instill, push, it's unnatural. But if you're surrounded by art and, you know, immersed and we know what it does for the brain and everything else now with scientific yeah. studies. So she just came everywhere. As you said, she, as a little girl, she sang and sang. She was doing her homework in the bathroom <laughs> uh, in, a, in a club and she was just around art all the time. And he used to take me to my dance classes too. He picked me up every day right. after I finished school. I was a <laughs> and take me. I was a dance dad. <laughs> yes. So I sat at the dance theater at Harlem and, and at Ailey. And my love of dance has just been a long, long love affair. So you're a New Yorker, like through and through. I'm, I'm as well. From, I'm from the Bronx. The Bronx. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, something I found really fascinating about Sidra is her devotion to academics too. You went full gamut for it all. That was the, that was the oyster that was sort of presented, you know, as an, in addition to being a New Yorker and my parents taking me everywhere, exposing me to the best training. I also went to really rigorous and amazing academic schools, the Spence School. And so there were all these opportunities. And um, when I was thinking about how I wanted to kind of continue life as a young adult, it made sense at that point to um, extend my experience a bit more because I was so you know, immersed in, in the dance world every day, four hours of training after school and something um, emerged and I felt that pull towards continuing research in a different container, which brought me back around to dance in a, in a different way as a direct, a more full bodied in my language and how I understood the resonance of dance in the larger world. Um, and a lot of the work I did at Yale University was um, I organized master classes through the Alliance for Dance at Yale, which I founded and, and organized events and charity events with dance concerts. And so I was still fully immersed, but just in a, in a different lens than I had been when I was training. So it was really important 
foundational experience um, that led me to think about a possibility of being a choreographer in New York City, which had never, you know, emerged in my mind as a child. Have you guys, do you often collaborate together? I did 30 scores for her. <gasps> oh, okay. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. This is unusual in the fact that this is a, a totally composed score mm -hmm. uh, because what I generally did since she had commissions all over the country and everything else is that, you know, she was in San Francisco and I was here and the collaboration was virtual. Uh, she kind of let me go and do my thing and, and I sent it to her and she, I, I'd ask her, do you like this? She's, and she said, no, that's too jazzy, or yes, <laughs> you know, like, go ahead with that. But I tend, since I have a very eclectic musical background, I kind of did a lot of computerized uh, composing. And I tried to take all the things that I loved about music and <laughs> put them in the soup. <laughs> so uh, the scores would be electronic hip hop with opera singers singing in French on top of it. She never liked to tell a story, so I always yes. use I always use foreign languages so nobody would understand what the singers were singing. And I, I generally used a lot of my former students who were, had grown into very reputable artists themselves, and I just love doing that. We also and, did a, a number of collaborations for my company in the very beginning when Sidra Bell Dance New York was formed, two thousand one. The first shows were live jazz and dance. And so it was all yep. these incredible musicians, my dad's colleagues. So there was a, a full band and my aunt, who's a jazz singer, was a part of those shows. And we totally self-produced as a family in Harlem at the Joseph P. Kennedy Center. So the first three years, first three seasons of, of the company as a young company were in Harlem with my dad as musical director. So it's been going on for a very long time, in addition to growing up and being in the choir and... Um, I think at Yale University, we started to kind of work together on digital performer and I, I would learn, you know, what he was doing digitally on the computer and um, I think uh, there was another collaboration at Yale that was a, a, a piece that my dad arranged as well. So there was a lot going on for years. Um, and then the bigger commissions were with Ailey 2 and Sacramento Ballet and uh, um, Ballet Austin, Juilliard. Those were very exciting. How did... Um the idea of creating something on and around Lincoln Center and it being outdoors affect or inspire what you guys did together in the collaboration? Yeah, yeah. I think um, it was really great to go and tour the site when it was completely empty over the summer. It was um, another kind of unreal moment. Um, I went with my mom one day and it was actually raining that day and we got to really just absorb the energy of the space because that plaza is always just full and people were back and forth and um, just to sit there in, in silence and to feel the weight of the space was an important action to, to vision um, and I, I just took some photos I have a love of just photographing and creating image boards and mood boards and that kind of thing storyboarding um, and I just started to kind of place things on the canvas and then sent it to my dad and we talked about what we wanted to hear musically and um, a lot of it came together with what we could, you know, assemble um, for the process. So the process really kind of informed what we did, uh, working with the dancers in a digital framework actually was helpful in thinking about the fragmentation of the film in some ways, mm -hmm. like seeing them in really separate, disparate spaces, almost amplified what, what Ezra did with the cinematography, I think. 
to have these really drastically, like you see one dancer really small and then, you know, the sort of um, more massive um, duet happening in the foreground. So that kind of background foreground thing was um, really important, I think came from this notion that it would be site specific and digital. We could work with the intersecting angles of the city and Lincoln Center. And we wanted the sound to be big, even though it was a small ensemble that it would have a feeling of completeness that you felt like you were there was like a beginning middle and end and movements i couldn't see any of that except in photos of you know i'm locked down for since march basically being been in the house which is good and bad because it does allow me to sit down and do some work i i didn't write for lincoln center i didn't even write for sidra oh. um i just wrote <laughs> and that's the way we basically do stuff, but uh, my framework was, as always, the most important thing, as I told all my students, music is melody, period. Melody rules, is, <laughs> I write big on the, on the board. Uh, there's nothing more important than that, so uh, I'm always thinking melody. Of course, I'm a jazz musician, I can improvise a lot, so part of it is improvise, and part of it is composition, and then I would play for Sid, and she said, I hate it, I love it, uh, I need <laughs> I know she likes to have space between things, like not constant music. So I, I always leave an area of silence for her to work with the silence. I don't think yeah. we really edited very much, except she didn't like my last it's chord. Favorite. She hated my last <laughs> chord <laughs> because I resolved to what we call the, the tonic chord, the number one cadence, you know, like in a, in a, in a European piece of music where you, you know, everybody knows the symphony's over. She wanted to leave it suspended. Wow. And at first I said, all right, I love that chord. <laughs> and then we sat down and we listened together and I, and I chopped it off because I was doing, doing it in this program uh, so that, you know, I just, uh, she had something to rehearse to and I cut the chord off and I said, yeah, that's brilliant. I like that. <laughs> so it is a suspended cadence it doesn't never ever resolve itself it just mm -hmm. hangs in the air yeah i love to hear feel the waves and sound that things are sort of oscillating and i think the the stillnesses that he was describing too it allows for the dancing body to cut musically through and then to return it's like this sort of asynchronous and synchronous process that's constantly happening between the music and the body and so yeah we have a we have a rhythm i think as collaborators when he knows what you know i sort of tend to or tend to be drawn to and i i feel like i've become more open-minded because working with a composer is just letting like he said letting the, him follow his um intuition so i try to kind of stay away a little bit and then come in not hover <laughs> uh, i found there to be a few ideals that were of New York City Ballet in this, which was sort of the stripped down quality of it, the architecture, the abstraction. You had limitations put on you. You had a, a, a small number of dancers only offered to you. You had four or less dancers, right? You had five to six minutes at the most. Um, you had a certain setting that you had to work within. So. I feel like that inspired and energized you. Yeah, I think this, how I, I started, you know, just really, and how every, you know, emerging choreographer starts, you really have to make things happen 
from what you have. And that was never, even in the first shows I was doing in New York in a community center, we were, my collaborators and I were like tie-dyeing fabric and trying to create a set design out of sheets. And, you know, I was collaborating with my family and um, we were, you know, trying to figure out how the seating would be arranged in a community center. So it's, it's always been exciting to work with what's there, found space, site-specific, um, and my dancers that I've worked with over the years have always been along for that ride. Um, and I think limitations, as also my compositions te composition teachers would always say at SUNY Purchase, it's, it's actually a good thing. It gives you a container to work against and provides the tension and dynamic that you need. And I think um, for me, the sort of interface of working through the digital framework and figuring out how to amplify my body enough so that the dancers understood what was going on in my backspace and like how I wanted them to orient, you know, not just in a two-dimensional framework. And then we were in the studio to, you know, start to think about, you know, I really collaborated with them. I was taking them along for the whole ride. And so um, the four dancers in this piece, they saw the image boards and then we went outside and played around on the space. So it all was really working as one process rather than these sort of um, siloed processes. Um, and I think that that's, it's an exciting way to work. It's like devised theater. Um, and I think that's something that I'm very comfortable in. I love to ask people, what do you think? You know, <laughs> it's, it's never just about me, it's about the team around. And so I'm, I'm constantly looking for that feedback. And um, I think my close collaborators sort of expect that of me, that I'm, there's going to be the bouncing off of ideas. Um, the lighting designer, the the people that are working in the design world, it's all sort of holistic and together as a community. Um, so these limitations didn't feel like limitations, they felt like, felt like a framework, um, which was exciting. And then to think about the amplification that film can do to a dance. Because um, I had sort of an image of, you know, the reclining figure and we'd see all that and you know, then Ezra comes back with these really like distorted angles. It's like, oh, that's really exciting. That's almost absurd. You know, I love that. I love that there was like, we still see the sculpture, but this in an almost an absurdist way. Um, so it was just, it was really exciting to have that. And it, it was, had beautiful momentum, the process. It was really great. So Sidra, a few words popped into my head and I wrote them down watching your piece this morning. And those words were dimension, multiple planes and sculptural design. And I imagined that your visual art practice came into play. My background in, in visual design, I think started working with oil and charcoal. I love the sort of malleability of the, those materials. And I always feel like working with the body is the same. It's, it's the flesh on the bone and the nervous system and all those things sort of in this beautiful orchestration. Um, so when I'm, I'm designing a dance, it feels like the human, <laughs> you know, the, the human effortfulness is very important to me, but also looking at the sort of design of body and space has um, been the fascination um, and the constant um, curiosity in my research and um, figuring out how to invent, but also to allow the dancers to feel legible and that they have a lot of agency in what they're, they're doing, that they feel um, that they are designers, you know, that they, they're illustrating this sort of um, conversation of body in space. So that was really important in the rehearsals that I was very clear 
in my own physical intent. Um, what I'm enjoying more now than ever as a choreographer is actually being more of a dancer. I feel like I can slip into this extremely um, charged and embodied space when I'm in my practice. I feel most at home when I'm in my practice. So it really was about dancing together in those rehearsals. We would do a little bit of improv. We would, uh, I would say, try this, try that. So it was a lot of back and forth um, coming to this sort of language of the piece, which I think was about seven phrases in total, you know, having a, a good base um, to work off of and expand into the duet material and, um, and counterpoint in the space and um, finally the cinematography. So yeah, I think, um, again, this process amplified the things that I love about creating dances. You will be making a piece very soon in the future because you were supposed mm -hmm. to make a work for us this fall, which got postponed because of COVID. I was wondering how this experience might affect or um, transfer to the big stage? I have to reveal that I'm always super nervous before I go into a studio with dancers, whether they're very little children or <laughs> classical dancers. Like it's, it's always like this, you know, I think it's um, a beautiful kind of um, like what's gonna happen kind of feeling. Um, and so that first day I was, you know, I couldn't really sleep the night before and I was just kind of thinking about the moment that the computer would turn on and I'd see the dancers. But I think the barriers really came down really quickly, which is important. I like to create a space that feels communal and, and safe and that um, there's room for trial and error. So we, we just started, I started moving almost right away. There was very little kind of improvisation that day. I think the second or third day, I guided them a little bit through some modalities. So I wanted them to feel not only the sort of extremity work, but how it would register in their back and in their spine. So I did do some sort of pedagogical, but very short. And then we would go back into the phrase work. So just every day, just building up that, that shared vocabulary. And it was really important to me that the dancers know all of the vocabulary. It wasn't about sectioning solos right away. It was about all having the information that would become iterative um, in the development of the piece. So that was sort of how, about six days on Zoom and then a few days in the studio. And then we were kind of outside <laughs> for a while, like just living in that plaza, which was fun. The weather was still great and uh, we were exploring and that actually feels like where we bonded the most actually in those days in the you know in the, on the plaza just running around with my iPhone taking shots and sending them to Ezra and trying on different garments and things like that it was it was really fun. You chose um, a couple that are engaged so you could have some partnering and then mm -hmm. two other dancers as soloists and one of the things you commented on before was that you were looking for dancers that could become blank slates to sort of just let something grow and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so these dancers were actually originally casted in that stage piece. Um, so I knew I wanted to draw from that grouping. Um, I think in the class I was looking for simplicity. Um, this is as extreme as my movement can get, I think it starts from a really sort of uh, elemental feeling of the bones stacking and you know very clear in the port de bras and um, thinking about you know working holistically with focus and points and space and that kind of thing so I was in the class I could really see that and then on stage I could see how you know how they were as performers um, and so you know some people emerge more on, on stage and some in class so I, was, I charted that process and then when I chose these four dancers the combination of dancers was really unique I think Mm -hmm. um, but I, I also love that. I like to have a groupings of dancers that feel um, 
like they're individuals, humans inside of the movement. So I like how eclectic the group was actually. I think they all have like something very special and unique. Um, they complemented each other very well, I thought. I think so, yeah, I, I think so. It was really, and, and then getting to know, um, I think it will be a blueprint for future with those dancers and more dancers. I think um, there's something really intimate about being in our home spaces working together and there's something casual about it, you know, and sort of like, we're just working, working through this different kind of process together and figuring it out. And I like that figuring it out. I think that, um, like if we were to go into the studio next week, just again, I think we would already have all our guards down and just start from where we, we ended. Well, I love your piece. And I, I'm so happy um, that father and daughter got to collaborate again for this wonderful, really wonderful work. I love the suspense in the music, uh, the quality of the music somehow made me feel as a New York City ballet dancer, very comfortable and at home and also the quality of the movement, Sidra, as well. I just felt an, a, I felt a connection to your idea of working with New York City Ballet. I just felt like I could feel your history with the company and your growing up and Dennis and your, and your love for it in the 60s. I could feel your response to what you think of New York City Ballet in this work. I could feel a full circle in it. And um, mm. I, really, I really love that. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's special. Like it was so special to have this, you know, experience together and also to remember my history in the dance theater parliament, you know, the history the connection of those two institutions and definitely felt like a returning of some kind. I asked you, Sidra, uh, when I first started to get to know you and you came to the ballet with your parents, I, I said, did you, did you watch the ballet as a kid? Did you come here very often as a kid? And you, you told me your mom used to usher there. So I was like, oh mm -hmm. my God. So yeah, as, as a young woman, you know, in her early 20s. So yeah, it's just, it's these landscapes of New York have always yeah. been influential to me in general. Like not only the big iconographies, but just the way that New York sits together and how everything's kind of accessible. And, you know, as a young girl growing up in New York, just to, again, like the oyster that was presented to me, my, my family felt, like there was just an ease of seeing these amazing works of art at a very young age. So yeah, there's something really um, fulfilling about finding your voice within those, you know, sort of iconic spaces. So glad you did. You're, you're remarkable for all these things that you can do, Sidra. You're really inspiring. I'm so happy that, that we could provide you a little mini platform here. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Thank Looking you. forward to more. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Thanks, you guys. Thank you very Thank much, you. Wendy. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.